0: I counted. Some of you only did three. All right? <laughs> okay. Listen, if you've, got, if you've got little kids or if you're a big kid, please come on Halloween and join us for the Trunk or Treat. Otherwise, I'm going to have like 50 pounds of candy at home at the last at house, okay? And uh, now my children could deal with 50 pounds of candy, but I can't deal with my children. So uh, come on out. If you've got kids, grandkids, come out to Trunk or Treat. We're going to have a great time. All right, so this morning I want to talk about uh, dream builders versus dream killers. A couple of weeks ago we started uh, talking about dreams. God has a dream. Uh, I, remember, I remember as a young man, as, even as a little kid, I remember uh, having a dream. You know, when you're a little kid, you watch TV, and I wanted to be... I wanted to play in the NBA, right, that's not gonna happen. I had Michael Jordan on my wall, you know, and I used to stare at him, and I remember when I got my first pair of Jordans, I I tripped all day, because I couldn't take my eyes off my own shoes, right? Come on, Jordans, when Jordans came out. Um, We all have a dream, but in life, there are dream builders and there are dream killers. Now, dream builders or dream killers are not just a type of person that you want in your life, but they're also a, a situation. It could be an insecurity. It could be something in you that you struggle with. That can be a dream killer in your life. But along the way, you know, I think, I think what happens is, is that, uh, you know, you, the more you get to know Jesus and the more that Jesus speaks to you, the more he gets in your life, the more he begins to work. You, you realize that, that uh, it's a little harder to miss God's will than we think it is. I really believe that. I really believe it's harder to miss God's will than we think it is because you don't you know, think about this. You get up in the morning and maybe you, you pray, you read your Bible. Um, you know, you, you go to church every Sunday. You do the Wednesday night class. You even have a Bible with, with like gold leaf on it, right? Uh, You you went to Joyce Meyers conference when she was here You know what I mean? And then you get up in the morning and It's time to buy a car because you you, because you maybe you finally reach the time in your life when when you you're gonna buy a car That doesn't break down which means you're about you're out of college and you're a different You're like oh my gosh if I buy the wrong car my life is over I have people come into my office because they come see me and they're like trying to buy a car and they're in tears And I, I get it you've got a budget or they're trying to decide, do I, do I move to the north near Lakewood or do I move to the south, you know, near the Denver Tech Center? And they're just like, oh my gosh, if I miss it, I'm going to miss the will of God. And I think to myself, listen, if, if you do all those other things right, I got news for you. God doesn't care if you buy a blue car or a red car. He just wants you to buy one you can afford. Can I hear an amen? You see, that we, we tend to think that it's, you know, it's, it's easy to miss God's will. It's really not. But along the way, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what happens is I think the most powerful experience that you can have in your life on the way to fulfilling your dream is to have the right people around you. And I know it's cliche that you are who you hang out with, but I'm telling you, uh, words matter. You got to hang out with people that have the right thing to say to you. Spirit matters, you've got to be around people who believe that God's promises are true, and they're not quitters. Things matter, what you do with your time matters, how you view the the call of God matters, How, how how we think about the cause that we're living for really matters. If you wanna hang out with people in your lifetime who don't care about the church, don't care about the cause, don't care about the call, don't care about people, they're just gonna build their own world and do their own thing, I'm I'm just telling you, I promise you, you're gonna become one of those people. And along the way, you're gonna wake up one day and you're gonna say, man, I kinda, I feel something in my heart, I feel a little empty, and it's because somewhere along the line, some dream killer came along and told you that it was all about you. And the Bible, though, tells us it's not about us, Jesus did everything for us, but we're here to help each other and love each other and encourage each other We need to be the kind of people that say if you have a dream. I'm gonna believe for your dream with you We have enough dream killers in our life Right we get up in the morning. Has anyone in the house this morning ever dealt with insecurity? You know insecurity is a dream killer Have you ever had a dream crushed? Have you ever had just a dream just demolished? You felt like you were gonna do something and it just got crushed? You know, I think God allows us to do that just to make sure that our spirit and his spirit are aligned on what the dream really is. Because remember, if you can accomplish the dream without God, it isn't really your dream, God's dream. God says, I'm gonna let you go through whatever you gotta go through to make sure that you are pursuing the right dream. Have you ever had your dream crushed? It's, It's horrible. It's horrible. Okay. All right. Have you ever, ever been hungry and, and on a Sunday and wanted to go to Chick-fil-A? I'm telling you, no, this is not funny. You know, you got that comedian guy who sings that song. And I know that a lot of you know the song. Please don't sing it. But, you know, Chick-fil-A, I could eat it seven times a day. And then it goes on and, and it ends with, you know, But it's Sunday, what a horrible joke to play. (laughs) I mean, just just in a real way, right here, we we, we get our dreams crushed. Sometimes God allows us to go through things so that our dream is aligned with his dream. I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna talk about the difference between dream builders and dream killers. And uh, in my life, I have had a few dream killers that wanted to kill my dream. But Jesus had a a plan. Jesus has a way of taking things that are broken. Oh, dear Jesus, I feel this this morning, but I can't preach this. God has a way of taking things that are broken and putting them back together again better than they were than before they were broken. See, people don't understand that. Now, I can't preach this, but I've done this before. These verses, but they're in Jeremiah at the potter's house when the pot breaks. The pot breaks apart, Jesus puts it back in his hand, and he says he put it back together again according to how he wanted to use the vessel. Sometimes dreams just have to fall apart in the hand of Jesus so that Jesus can put it all back together again to make something that he wants to use. And it's just a process of letting our dream die and then then having God restore the dream, and pretty soon our dreams just kind of align. I hate hate having my dream crushed. But I know this, I know that if I hang out with dream builders, when I'm in the m- worst moment of my life, and when my dream feels like it's gone, I know that if I've got dream builders around me that are encouraging me and speaking faith and in Jesus into my life, it's going to be okay. The last thing you need when you're having a bad day is to be around a negative person. Oh, my whole life has fallen apart. Well, that's too bad. That's too bad. Wow. Sucks to be you time's the game today oh the broncos have a pass well that's stupid play tomorrow night they play the texans they play osweiler tomorrow night i'm feeling something right now but i'm gonna refrain that's dumb i mean the last thing you need in your life when your dream is getting ripped apart don't you dare hang out with people who want to who, who help you rip it apart, who want to who give you the negative report instead of the positive report, who want to say things about this, this thing or this person or that or tell you about their own experience. Listen to me. I don't want to know your experience. I want to know what Jesus says. Hang out with people. Hang out with people who are going to tell you what Jesus says. Not how everything went for them. Well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go to a pastor. I wouldn't go to the church. I wouldn't do this. I'll tell you what you need to do. I'll tell you what I need to do. I need to get on my face before Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit to touch me. And I need to hang out with some dream builders. Okay? You know, I had my dream crushed once. Now, I've been trying to try... How do I relate this to my life? So when I was a kid, you know, most people in the church now know that I had a rough childhood. It's all part of my testimony. But I remember my junior year of high school... Um, was I was flunking out I'm failing and I got a a little note I got a note you know that was back in the days in school when they had to send a note to get you you know today it like in our kids high school a virtual secretary shows up in the middle of the class like hologram Kaylee Lassett please go to the office you know in the hologram but back then we got a yellow slip how many of you remember yellow slips or pink slips okay I got, a, I got a yellow slip from the principal, and the principal, the principal wanted to see me, and I thought, well, that was kind of normal. So I thought, what did I do this time? I can't remember. Try to remember before you see him, because I know you did something. You did, I know you did. So I get to the principal's office, and the principal says, hey, let's go for a walk, and we're walking down the hall, and the principal said something to me that I've never forgotten my whole life, okay? Now, I was struggling in school. Wasn't gonna graduate. Um, I had a hard childhood. Things didn't, you know, my, my, my dream building the world wasn't where it should have been. I didn't have the right friends. I didn't have the right, uh, didn't have the right atmosphere at home to be successful. I, 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 I wouldn't actually graduate at all. And then I would go a little later in life and graduate as an older student. Come on, somebody. I graduated, went to college, graduated college and seminary. But I'll tell you what, at that moment, my high school principal said this. He says, you know, you're having a really hard time in school. I said, yeah. I said, I am. He said, I, I'm gonna tell you something. I said, okay, and I thought he was gonna say, I believe in you. You can do it. But instead, the principal said this, I think you should drop out. And I remember, all I ever wanted to do, I wanted to be good in school more than anything. It was hard it's hard to be the guy you know you're sitting there remember old school now you're sitting there and the teacher comes and passes out all the papers back that you did and everybody else's paper has like blue pen A plus B plus but you know what happened if you got an F they switched to a red pen it's like can you not write F in a blue pen so that everybody doesn't go red pen on the left it was like why why did you switch pens my whole life was like trying to hide the papers that sat on my desk before anybody else came over and saw it or somebody looked to the left. I wanted to do good in school. I didn't want to walk the walk with an empty diploma because that's what I did. You walk, you get your diploma, and there's nothing in it. I'm telling you, that it, you, it makes you feel like you are nothing. There is nothing in you. You have no hope, you have failed. You're going to hide it because you get the diploma, you get the little thing, it has the picture of the school in it and you don't ever open it up, you just put it under your arm and you leave as fast as you can so that nobody pops their diploma open and shows it to you. And You gotta pop yours open and it says, nice try. I wanted to do well in school. When the principal of your high school Tells you to drop out. There is nothing more <laughs> discouraging in your life. I remember thinking, I'm a, I am a horrible failure at 17. But you know, I had another teacher. I had another teacher. She was my choir teacher. She was incredible. I don't know what it is about choir teachers. Choir teachers seem to always know what's going on in their kids' lives. I think maybe it's because it's all singers and musicians and everybody's really emotional, you know. So they're just you know, every day, you know, hallelujah, how's your family, how's your brother, how do you feel, you don't look right today, like your hair, did you eat this morning here, I have something in my, and they just, choir teachers just have a a way, you know, but my choir teacher, every single day, knowing my family, knowing my mom, knowing my sister, knowing at the age of 17, at 17, I was about to be homeless, you know, every day, she would encourage me every day every single day. I'd walk in and she'd be like, you're awesome, you're gonna do well, I believe in you, um, I, I like, I like how, you, uh, how you sing that song, Doug, and you did a good job today, and you know, she never discouraged me one time in all those years in high school and I remember when I needed encouragement I didn't go to the principal come on I went to the choir room and I would sit in the choir room by myself why because I wanted to be in the atmosphere of the place where people encouraged me even if she wasn't there I would sit alone in a chair and I would just sit and think about my life and what I'm gonna do why because that's where the person encouraged me and I wanted to be in the atmosphere and in the place where the person encouraged me how many of you can say come on that's the way the church should be that's how we should live Remember one time, years later, uh, I'm a Christian and I'm a youth pastor, and I hadn't seen her for, you know, maybe a decade. I don't even I don't even remember. But I was walking through the mall one time, and it was it was around Christmas, and and uh, I, I have things that happen. I mean, in the mall. I always run into people in the mall, which is fine. Uh, but as a pastor, you understand that if you're at the mall or you're at the gym, you probably won't get to shop or work out because someone's going to come up and go, oh, my whole life falling apart, you know. And you're like, all right, that's good. We're at the mall, and I'm just here shopping for my wife. Um, but let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk. It is Christmas Eve. I, I did procrastinate. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. So, but I remember seeing her, you know, down the hall. So she comes walking up to me. She saw me. She walks up, and she stands in front of me. She goes, Doug, I said, her name is Candy. She's actually in heaven now. It's, uh, she's been, been gone for a few years, but, but she, uh, she looked at me and she says, Doug, how are you? She's like, I'm fine. And I said, hey, Candy, thank you for always encouraging me as a young man. I said, you have no idea how much it meant to me how you always had something good to say to me. It, cha- it re- literally changed my life. I mean, it really did. And, and she said to me, she says, I'm so proud of you. She said, I heard what you're doing now. I said, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor and, you know, youth pastor and I, all this stuff. And she's like, wow, it's incredible. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, it's my life, she just bursts into tears. Burst, And I thought she was crying over how awesome I was. <laughs> she's got to be crying just in my presence because of... So she's weeping. And then she starts to go to the ugly cry. The kind of cry that you can't control... That just sort of, and so it was getting a little awkward. And I, and I, I put my hand on her shoulder. I said, "Candy, are you okay?" She says, "No." I said, "What? What's wrong?" She said, "If, if only what could happen to you could happen to my son." I thought, "Ooh," and I'm getting emotional, with you, because she was such a special person in my life. And I, I said, "Your son? I, your son, Tommy?" She said, yeah, my son, Tommy. I go, the little one that used to come with us on choir concert tours, yeah, the one who bit me? (laughs) Yeah, him, him, the one who bit you, yeah, awesome, he used to sit on my lap and I would grab him by the ankle and drag him across the the ground and I thought it was funny and he would laugh so I kept doing it. That Tommy? Yeah. What's wrong with Tom? Tom's, Tom's depressed, Tom's on drugs. Tom's not going to graduate high school. There's nothing I can do. I'm a single mom. His dad's out there. I'm I'm completely out of hope. I I don't know what to do, and I think I'm going to lose my son. And I remember standing there thinking, all right, okay, okay. Then you have a choice to make, don't you? You have a choice to make. Because because what dream killers do is they go, wow, I'm going to pray for you. I'll be praying for you. But you know what a dream builder does? I didn't know I was a dream builder at the time. I said, your son's on drugs. You think he's going to kill himself? You don't know if you're going to find him dead? She goes, yeah. I wish what happened to you could find it. I said, well, then why don't we just see if we can make it happen? She goes, what do you mean? I said, where's your son right now? She goes, at home in the basement on drugs. I said, okay, you go get in your car. I'm going to go get in my car, and we're going to go to your house right now. See, because a a, a dream, uh, and I, I I want you to understand She was a pseudo-believer at the time, a believer when she went to heaven, but at the time, she was watching my life. My life had spoken to her in a way because she was a part of it. To be a dream builder is, is, is not to look at someone whose dream is being crushed, and let me tell you, moms and dads, come on, grandparents, you know this, your dream at a certain point with your children, it's not even about you anymore. You dream for your children. And when your children, when that dream is being ripped from you and there's some kind of struggle going on, there isn't anything you won't do for your child. She's sitting there and she's telling me if what could happen to you could only happen to my son. If I would have said, well, I'll be praying for you, I would have been a dream killer in that moment. So she gets in her car, I get my car. We drive back to my little hometown where I had grown up as a kid, about 45 minutes away. I walk into her house, I said, where is he? He's in the basement I go in the door down the stairs I open the door and there he is on drugs I said Tommy I'm Doug Lasted. do you remember me he goes yeah I bit you (laughs) that's right that's right and I've forgiven you and you know what I did I mean I, I and she's standing at the top of the stairs I grabbed him by the arms and I held him and I looked into his eyes and I said God has a plan for your life I said, where you're at right now is where I was at when I was your age, and your mom encouraged me, and because your mom encouraged me, I'm here to encourage you, and I'm telling you, God can change your life. And I grabbed him by the arms, he began to weep and cry, he asked Christ into his heart, he was completely transformed, come on, he came to the church, he married a girl in the church, and now they're serving in ministry at Bethel down in California, and they're happier than they've ever been. A dream builder... A dream builder, a dream builder in your life can change everything. Your your entire destiny can be shifted by a dream builder. And so inside of each one of us, at times we have a tendency to be a dream killer, and we can be a dream builder, and we walk that journey trying to become more like Christ and let the Holy Spirit convict us. But what I have to say to you today is let's be dream builders in people's lives. Let's, let's not be the ones who tear them down and tell them what they can't do. Let's just find out what God said, said they can do. Let's find out who God said they are, and then let's celebrate their identity in Christ. That's the beginning. You can say what a dream builder is. A dream builder is someone or something or someone who encourages a person to pursue all God has for them throughout the course of their life. Implementing and surrounding yourself with dream builders is essential in pursuing the dream that God has given you. A couple of verses here that sort of say some different stuff, different angles here, but the first one, I want to give you three verses. Nehemiah chapter 2. There's a story in the Bible about a man who went to rebuild a wall. Some of you don't know the story. He, his, people, his people lived inside of a city with a wall. So he went to rebuild the wall because the wall had been broken down. And if the wall is broken down, then the enemy can get in, and the enemy can come in and attack the people. And he heard that his family uh, was in danger. And so he said to his boss, who happened to be the king, he said, Can I please go build the wall for my people? And the king said, you go build the wall. So he goes, and while he's building the wall, three people show up outside the wall and begin to cast uh, doubt on him and mock him and make fun of him. You can't build the wall. Why are you even here? Nobody cares that you're here. You think you can organize all these crazy people to rebuild this wall? You think you're gonna do this? Does the king even know you're here? Listen to me, whenever you begin to pursue the dream, by the way, which is fueled by purpose for other people, but when you begin to fulfill the dream, the first thing that happens is is the Sanballats and the Tobias and the Geshems of this world will come along and say to you, because they're not spiritually minded, they're not thinking about the things of God, and they'll begin to tell you, you can't do it. And as soon as, and the more you pursue, the more they begin to mock and the more that you accomplish something the more they get angry and the more that you press in the more they become insecurity and insecurity is a mean friend to have it's a it's a deadly friend to have so he overcame and he said Nope. he said I got news for you he said the God of heaven will give us success and he put the pressure back on God that's where the pressure should be I read to you last week Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, so here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, and going to work life, your walk around life, and place it before God as an offering. In the pursuit of your dream, God doesn't just want your trophies. I hear a lot of athletes and singers and people, that's all good. I hear them giving Jesus shout outs you know? Giving God a shout out uh, when they get their award. God doesn't want a shout out. God wants your everyday life. You're eating, sleeping, going to work, getting up, becoming who you are. Who are you really when no one else is around? That's when God wants to know you. That's the person that he wants to be with. It's like, yeah, thanks for the shout out. But tomorrow we need to have a talk. The pursuit of your dream is, taking everything who you are and just just laying it at the feet of Jesus. Um, And then Ephesians chapter 20 speaks to what God really has for us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Can everyone just say more? Say it again, say more. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. The God dream is beyond you. You were built for it, you were made for it. You've been put in an atmosphere. You're sitting in your own little choir room right now because, because we believe in you. And, and you have all of that, but you can't imagine what it is. So you have to say to God, God, your dream... I understand how I'm made, but your dream is bigger than what I think I can accomplish. And that's when God reaches over and He says, oh, we're going to have a good time now. We're going to have some fun now, because you have just said to me that you need me to accomplish what you feel in your heart, because what you feel in your heart did not come from you, it came from me. And when you heard it in your head, you went, that's crazy. Why am I even thinking crazy thoughts right now? People dream things and they go, that's crazy. Why am I even thinking that? And more people will take a crazy quote-unquote thought and bury it in the graveyard of humanity. God says, resurrect your dream. Because it wasn't a human dream, it came from Jesus. It's immeasurably more than what you could ask or think. All right, so here's, here are, if I can get through them all, here are, I think, eight. Dream builders versus dream killers. Number one. Dream builders have a running source, a running source. Dream killers are a stagnant pond. You want to be around people who have a running source. You want to be around people who talk to God. I I don't want to say it like this because it sounds a little extreme, but you have to be careful about asking people advice about your life who don't talk to God about anything. You know, I've I've got a buddy of mine, a friend. Call him a buddy. He's a pastor. He's a little older than I am. He's struggling with Parkinson's disease. And he knows that Parkinson's disease is going to be the end, quote unquote, to his ministry in the days ahead. His body is just shutting down. Slowly, but it's happening. I was with him a couple of weeks ago and I, I looked at him his hand had a little, little tremor and I said pastor, when you're done pastoring this church ministry for 40 years, when this transitions for you, what will have been the dream that you accomplished? Like what is your dream? And, w- and when that moment happens and you look backwards instead of forwards, what would be your dream? And I want to read, I want to tell you what he said. This is just like three weeks ago. He said, my dream is to leave a church. This is, now here's the problem with this quote. Just check this out. It's so typical and it's so Christianese to us. But when you reach a, a crossroads in your dream journey, how many of you know it's the little things that matter? It's, it's the, thing, the things that matter are the things that we talk about every day, like, like they're normal, like, like we all do. Like, what, why even preach that again? Let's not do that again. Listen to what he says, 40 years of ministry, and he says, My dream is to leave a church who is in love with the Bible. See, and we, we almost react to that, because can't you preach a message on on predestination can can you not teach us about the deep things of god can we talk about you know uh uh, john chapter 20 Revelation chapter 20 and the resurrection and and the mark of the beast and and he just goes no i just want to leave a church that is in love with the bible they read it and they meditate on it which will lead them to knowing christ in a deeper way after 40 years he's got a great facility several buildings lots of people he didn't say I want to have 10 campuses or 20 campuses and I want to have this many thousands of people and I want to have this many outreaches At 40 years later looking back on the dream not looking forward towards the dream he said I want to leave a church that's in love with the Bible who reads it who meditates on it because if they do they're gonna be closer to Jesus can you imagine how simple that is and how transforming it is? I'm at the mall uh, a few weeks ago, went over to Park Meadows to get a cup of coffee over at the uh, Yosemite and Maxwell. I, I, I learned the, uh, that particular Starbucks is one of the highest grossing Starbucks in all of America. It's in the top 50. It has a nickname. It's called Yomax. Um, some of you actually worked there at the Yomax Starbucks and I go in there and there's like 25,000 people in there and, uh, and all the baristas are angry they look like they're gonna just beat each other up and, and uh, it's there's this long counter that goes forever and all these people and I'm, I'm meeting somebody there this is crazy this is out of control I don't even want to be here my ADD is kicking in and and I, I don't know what's happening to me right now I can't handle Yomax and, and then all of a sudden I look over to the left and I see about 15 of our teenagers here at the church, about 15 of them, all taking up prime real estate in the tables. And they've all got their, they've all got their Bibles out. 15 of our teenagers just sitting there reading scripture together and, and going through a discipleship book next to their Bible written by the, the world-renowned uh, author, Lisa Trent. And they're sitting there, they're sitting there and they've got her book open they have got the Bible and I walk by and, and, and guys people I'm the pastor hello no you will acknowledge me you will acknowledge me my daughter was there she's reading her Bible I saw my daughter I thought thank you Jesus what do you what do you want from your fathering Pastor Doug when your children move out at 40 what do you want I want to I leave, a, I wanna leave a, 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 my children, I, I want to know that they, uh, they read their Bible and they're a running stream, so they have something from God to say to their own generation, to their own friends. I don't want them to be a stagnant pawn of redundant cultural garbage. I want Jesus to be flowing through them so that when they come in contact with somebody that needs God, that needs Christ, they actually have something from the Holy Spirit to say to that person. It's not canned. They didn't learn it in a class. They got, they, they're giving them something that's life-giving. My daughter was there, and they, my other daughter was there too, I just remember, my oldest was there, because she looked up and she goes, hi, Dad, hi, Dad, and I said, hi, and she goes, we're busy, can you please go? And I was like, okay, all of you, all of you are grounded. I'm calling all your parents. No, it didn't really happen just like that, but I, I do have the pulpit. Um, but a running stream, I I just think, I think that a dream builder has to have a running stream. Be around people who talk to God. They'll give you the best advice. Number two, and I'm gonna go really fast for the sake of time, but dream builders are finishers, dream killers are starters. They're starters. There's a difference between a starter and a finisher. You need to be around people who have, have had some races and finished the race because the, the, the finisher is going to be able to say to you what it's like in the middle of the race when the muscles begin to burn and you don't know if you can make it and, and something comes out of you and you can do it and God can carry you. If all you ever do is hang out with people who start but never finish, they have nothing to say to you about your race. They have nothing to say. But they have a lot to say, don't they? They have a lot to say about what they didn't like about the race and why they quit and whose fault it was that they were in the race in the first place. And how much money the race co- was costing them. And, and all the people that were in the race that they didn't like. And everybody, and all, they can tell you all kinds of things about what happened at the start. But Jesus wants you to hang out with finishers. People who can say, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. At every stage of the relay, when I am falling apart, this is how I got through. This is what Jesus did for me. You need to hang out with finishers and not starters. Number three, Dream builders invest in who God says you are. Dream killers base their investment only on a return. You need to have people in your life who have no agenda but your success. If you have people in your life who love you unconditionally and they're only in your life speaking into your success, then you are a rich person. You know, there are very few people in the world who can say that they have friends today that only have your success in mind. Some, you know, so many times I've, I've realized that people want to know me or be my friend for the wrong reason. There was a season, and many of you know about it, but there was a season where, where we had large conferences and things going on, and I'd get phone calls from famous people, and I'm just going to be real with you right now. I, I'm on the phone, and they're talking to me like I'm their best friend. They, they wanna hang out with me, they wanna be my friend, they wanna have coffee, they wanna, they wanna talk, they wanna spend time together. And, and this is not consistent throughout, but it did happen a couple of times and it made me reflect that as soon as I stepped down and didn't have the conferences anymore, you know, I never got a phone call again. Because all of a sudden I didn't have anything I didn't have a platform of five, eight, 10,000 young people for them to, to preach to that could help them to sell more of their DVDs and their CDs and their podcasts. Some of those people, I love them. They're, they're not bad people, but I've realized I need to be with people who have a genuine, unconditional love investment into my life. I have those people in my life. I'm not saying that I haven't done it either. I'm, I'm not saying that I haven't done this. I remember early on. I just had a story shoot into my spirit that I should not tell you, but I'm going to tell you. Because it is about my wife, and she is not here today. How, she's, she's out preaching at another church. Can you imagine that? Now, I remember when I first met her, and uh, man, I was, I was so in love. I didn't even know her. I mean, I just was like, Ooh. That's a whole other story. I remember one day she walked by a Bible college, and I was like, man, I, I don't know what, I, I, want, I want to know her, but I don't know, I don't know who she is. I don't know her name, I don't know nothing about her, but I, you know, and, oh, there's a story here. Oh, Father, help me, Jesus. I knew I was gonna marry her the first day I ever saw her, but I would never tell my youth group that. Like, that's not a good relationship seminar, you know what I'm saying? When the girls walk by, get a word, go for it. It's just, it messes everything. Don't ever do that. But for me, there was something in me that said, you, you, need, to, you need to figure this out. Because that's, that's the way my whole life was. It was radical. So she walks by and I was like, that's weird, but I want to know who that is. I don't know her name. So I want to tell you right now. It took me like 30 minutes to find out who her friends were. And it took me another 30 minutes to be her friend's best friends. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? It was like I, I, I totally had an agenda. Totally. I even got to know her brother and all these people. I remember, I remember <laughs> went to this thing at church. She's over there and her friends are like, we're all going to be best friends. And I was like, they're, they're talking to me. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. So who's, who's, <laughs> who's that? They're like, that's Donna. I was like, okay, got it. Donna. And they're just, you know. Yeah, I think that there's, that there's something in all of us. We, we constantly have to wrestle th- through this. But you want to be with people who invest in you, who love you unconditionally and have no agenda. Number four, dream builders encourage the uniqueness in your life. Dream killers stress conformity. God's made all of you differently for a reason. Uh, you, you don't want to be a copy. God does not make copies God does not make, does, you, you didn't get put on, you know, I'm going to make this person stick you on a photocopy machine and just like bust out 50 of you and, and it's all going to be okay. It's just, that's the way life is. No, you are an original. God made you the way you are for a reason and for a purpose. I remember uh, when we built our first house, a little house we built. And you know how in this like last 20 years, houses are funny because they all look the same in some neighborhoods, right? because I've lived in those, you live in those. I remember we were building a house one time and the house was just about done and I was about to do the thing that the builders don't ever want us to do which is go to the house before it's finished because I want to see it. So I drive down into the, the, the neighborhood and I turn left and I, I get into the neighborhood and all the houses are almost done. They're at the same spot and they all look exactly alike. And I was like, I'm going to go see my house. So I go in I pull in the driveway, I walk in and I'm looking around and I'm like, huh. I'm like, Love the countertops. I, I don't remember picking those out, but cookie cutter houses, you know, that's cool. And then I go to walk through the bedroom and I start walking over here. There's no bedroom. I was like, oh yeah, it's not there. I don't. I don't know anything about my own house because when something is just a copy, you really don't care. You won't remember it. I remember we're standing there and I'm thinking I don't remember anything about this. I, but it's a house. And then this man walks out. Great guy. Uh, he and his family were Chinese, owned a Chinese restaurant down the street, and he walks out in the middle of the house, and he's eating his dinner. And, and I said, hi. He goes, hey. Then his wife comes out. She's eating her dinner. Like, how are you guys tonight? They're like, fine. I thought they were a neighbor, you know, they came over to see my house and welcome me to, to the neighborhood. And they're like, fine, fine, good. And then their two little kids come out. I got, I got all, the whole family, and they're all sitting there eating, and 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 I said, so why are you guys, uh, you know, why are you in my house? And the guy goes, nope, you're in my house. (laughs) I said, no I'm not. He goes, yeah, you're you're in my house. I said, no, this is my house. Your whole family is in my house eating Chinese food. And then it hit me. Everything looked so alike. I walked outside, looked up, and I was two houses off. (laughs) I was in somebody else's house. Now, he owned a great restaurant. He thought it was so funny that I was in his house. I, no, no, I actually carried boxes in. I had two boxes full of stuff that I left. <laughs> when I left, he goes, you want your boxes? <laughs> the next day, he thought it was so funny. He brought me down to his restaurant. We had a big dinner together. It was the funniest thing ever. We were friends all the way up until the time that we left. But, but God, God, God does not, if you are living in a copy of someone else's dream, If someone is saying to you, yeah, you you can do that. I mean, just all you got to do is do what they do and do what they do and just kind of and do what I do. Do what I do. Do what I do and you'll be okay. Do do it the way I do it. God's dream for you is, is unique. Dream builders take who you are and encourage you in who you are in Christ. They don't conform you, put you into little, little, all the houses look the same, all the destinies, all the visions, everything looks the same, and we're gonna push you in there. Can I just tell you, if that's the way it's gonna work, then a lot of people are gonna be unhappy, and we're only gonna reach one kind of people. How many of you believe it takes all people to reach all people? Come on, do you believe it? But God, God encourages you in your uniqueness. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stop there. I know there's a couple of points I didn't give you, but I just really feel today to pray and to ask God to touch some dreams